Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. This is what the Bible records. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you've heard, which, I, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. As we dive into the scriptures together this morning as a community, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift to read your word this morning. We thank you that your word goes out and it never comes back void. So we ask that you would speak to us together this morning as a community through your word. That we would find ourselves in awe of who you are, Jesus. That if the fullness of God is really pleased to dwell in you, would you reveal it to us? Would you search our hearts? Would the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight? Jesus, would you have your way? Holy Spirit, would you come? Heavenly Father, would you make us aware of your presence? We want it. And we give you all the glory. It's in your mighty name, Jesus, all the beloved said. Amen. All our lives long, we could talk of this Jesus, and yet we could never come to the end of the sweet things that are to be said about him. Eternity will not be long enough for us to worship him, or to know him for all that he is, or to praise him for all that he has done. And we, as a church, as the collective church, the body of Christ, we spend much time talking about how much Jesus loves us. And we absolutely should, because he absolutely does. That right here, right now, no matter your story, there is a perfect God who perfectly loves you. And we spend much time collectively as the church, the body of Christ, talking about how this Jesus, he does anything and everything to get us near and in his presence so we could experience his love. So that in turn we could experience flourishing and delight and everlasting life because of who he is. And we should talk about all of those things. Because they're absolutely true and he absolutely does. That right here and right now, no matter your story, the one true God wants you with him. Jesus, he delights to take in his creation. To gaze upon you and delight in you and he loves to love you. So we should talk about those things because they are the deepest truth. But collectively, as the body of Christ, as followers of this Jesus... As the church, right here and right now, are we in love with Jesus? Is his presence all you seek? Is his presence your only delight and your only love? Would you trade your spouse, your kiddos, your friendships, your job, your possessions for more of him? Now I'm not saying that you need to, but, but would you? Do you have the deepest intimacy of your life with Jesus? 
Do you have the deepest intimacy with Jesus, the only one who perfectly loves you? Or are you in a scandal with something or someone else? First love. That is the kind of love that the church must have in its heart for Jesus. First love. That's the only kind of love that our God will take. Why? Because he's worthy of it all. That's this passage that we just read in Colossians chapter 1. Let's peek at it again. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For by Jesus all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. Did you catch that? All things were created through him and for him. It goes on. And Jesus before all things. And in Jesus all things hold together. This is wild. Is your life falling apart? Mine is. Do you feel like you can't make it through and you can't hold it together? Me either. Is your intimacy with Jesus? For he is the only one who holds all things together. It goes on and Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything Jesus might be preeminent. Are you picking up what the scriptures are putting down? Are you smelling what Paul is stepping in right here and now? This is wild that in everything, Jesus is the only thing to behold. And that he and he alone is the head of the church, the body of Christ. You and I right here and right now. For in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Not just some of who God is. All of him. Not reluctantly, but it pleased him. It was pleasing to the one true God that all of who the I am is chose to dwell in the person of Jesus. Goes on and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the most incredible walkout intro I have ever heard in my life. Like this is like starting as Savior. Coming in at the Holy of Holies, wearing the Nazareth 11s, clothed in a seamless tunic, Jesus, who holds it all together, Son of the living God. That's who this guy is. This is insane if it is true. And it means we should orient our whole life around him. And if it's not, then why even be here today? You see, Jesus must be everything or nothing. He must be everything. That's what the scripture records. And because of its deep truth, it should put us as followers of Jesus, as the church, as the body of Christ, into prioritizing his presence, into desiring the deepest intimacy with nothing or no one else other than Jesus. This should spur us into the deepest love and intimacy with Jesus. Why? Because it goes on. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, Jesus, Jesus, not us, Jesus is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Reconciled, holy and blameless, above reproach before him. Reconciled, presented holy and blameless. Not presented with shame, not presented with guilt, 
Not presented with past mistakes. Not presented with religious games of try harder. Or you best earn your way out from your wrongdoings. No. Even when I was lost. Hostile. Doing evil deeds with sin swelling in my heart. This Jesus. This Jesus in the light of all that he is. Chooses you. Chooses me. Chooses us. Now right here and right now you maybe say, well I've heard that before. I've heard that I'm reconciled. I've heard that I'm presented holy. I've heard that I haven't, don't have to live in shame. I've heard this before. So why does your love for Jesus not look like it? Why do you prioritize other presence and other intimacy rather than the only one who could perfectly know you and perfectly love you? Now if that's not you, it most definitely is me. Are you with me? He is worthy of it all. No matter the price, He should be the only object of our obsession. No matter the excuse, this Jesus should be our deepest intimacy, that more of His presence should be all that we want. Because if this is really, truly who He is, and He chooses you, oh, it should spur us into only desiring His presence, only desiring His intimacy. So the question for us would be, as the body of Christ, as followers of Jesus, as the church, what does that look like? How do we actually prioritize His presence? And why would we seek such intimacy with this Jesus? And there's this awesome passage. It's back in Exodus chapter 33. If you want to turn there with us, you can. Moses, he goes to the tent of meeting and it's the place where he talks with God. Moses is the main man and God has entrusted him to shepherd the people that they would meet together often. And this passage of Exodus 33 is this beautiful example of why we must prioritize God's presence, what it looks like, and how it can change an entire community. How it can change an entire community. We'll pick it up in verse 9. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So here we have it. Moses is meeting with God. Prioritizing God's presence to having intimacy with the Lord God who absolutely loves him. And as one person, Moses, chooses to prioritize the presence of God, what is the immediate result? As God's presence comes down to meet with Moses, what happens? Because Moses stays faithful and desires intimacy with the Lord God, what takes place? The pillar of cloud descends, representing God's presence. And when the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because because one guy chose to prioritize the presence of God and desire intimacy with the one true God, a whole community got stirred to worship. As a follower of Jesus, do you know the impact you can have? Do you know that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you? Do you know that as you stay faithful, as you prioritize his presence, as you individually seek intimacy with Jesus, the overflow 
is a community being stirred to worship. The personal revival that is taking place in the life of Moses. The revival that is taking place in Moses' heart was an example to the entire nation. When Moses drew near to God, the nation of Israel drew near to God. As a follower of Jesus, do you know the impact that you can have? Do you know the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you? That this God, whom Moses is meeting with in the power of his presence, is accessible to you and I right here and right now. But I know what you could be thinking. Kramer, I am not Moses. I don't know how to do what Moses did. I don't know how to do that. How do you want me to have that kind of impact? I don't know what Moses did. You sure? Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. I imagine from the time that you woke up, peeled the crusties from your eyes, and sat where you're sitting right now, you spoke to a friend. You can do exactly what Moses did. When's the last time you spoke to God like he was friend? When's the last time you felt like God spoke to you and you were friend? Intimacy. It takes place eyeball to eyeball, face to face, really looking into someone's eyes until all of a sudden seeing their heart. When's the last time God saw your heart? When's the last time you saw his? When is the last time you laughed so hard in the presence of God? It was that belly laugh kind. Where it was so free and light and joy was inexpressible. Like you had just been in the presence of the one who is perfect love and knows you absolutely and still chooses you every single time. When's the last time you cried so long in the presence of God? It was the freedom kind, where it was so real, so raw, and the emotions cut so deep that the only way those wounds would be healed is by the divine healer. When's the last time God saw your heart? When's the last time you saw his? Intimacy, as one speaks to their friend. Do you know the God who loves you like that? Okay, great. We should prioritize his presence. We could have an impact on people if we do. We should desire intimacy, real, raw, beautiful friendship. Awesome. How is this going to change an entire community? Isn't that a stretch? You know, a lot of people don't realize this. Moses, absolute stud muffin. Amazing. Faithful. God-fearing. He was a hood legend. The man is in the Hall of Fame. But a lot of people don't realize Moses, he didn't lead the people into the promised land. Moses didn't do what he was called to do in the end. He saw it from afar, but he never entered into it. Moses did not lead the people into the promised land that God had for them. So who did? The one who wanted God's presence more than anyone else. The one whose only desire was more intimacy with the one true and living God. The one that after everyone else left, when no one else was around, when there was no hidden motive, agenda, or desire to be seen by others. When there was no 
ministry moment to impress people or checkbox Christianity to make you feel better when there was no other reason other than just deep hunger for God's presence and thirst for more intimacy with the one who is perfect love. That after everyone else left, still in the depths of his own heart, he wanted more. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. When Moses turned again into the camp, when the people stopped worshiping, when there was no real moment going on, his assistant Joshua would not depart from the tent. Joshua would not leave the presence. He lingered. He wanted more. He wanted intimacy. Joshua, oh, he was in love. God's presence was all he wanted. His presence was his only true love and delight. Joshua would have missed out on anything and everything for just a bit more of God's presence. For just a bit more intimacy with the one who perfectly loves him, absolutely knows him, and still chooses him. And Joshua led the entire community to the promised land. How? A radical reprioritizing of God's presence and intimacy with Him. Joshua was one of the Bible's most accomplished people. He led Israel into the promised land. He has countless victories all throughout the narrative of the Old Testament. He is the pinnacle of military power. He brings flourishing to an entire nation. He reconciles neighboring nations. Scripture records that Israel served the Lord throughout the entire lifetime of Joshua. Many scholars believe it was the golden era of Israel because the nation would spiral out of control after Joshua's death. The man is littered with accomplishment. But Joshua's greatest accomplishment, as said in Scripture by the people who followed him, was his unwavering desire for God's presence and intimacy with him. That his whole life long, he would not depart from the tent. For in the end, all he wanted was God's presence. And it changed not just an entire community, but the entire nation. That's intimacy. That's what intimacy does. That's what prioritizing God's presence does. How? Well, what did Joshua find in the tent that day? Whose presence did he never want to leave? The one who calls him beloved. The one that looked at him knew every nook and cranny of his story and called him beloved. The one that knew everything about him and looked at him and called him beloved. Chose him. You see, because with such intimacy, with all those moments spent in the presence of God, it makes you aware of who our God is. And in the light of his glory and holiness and splendor and greatness, he still chooses you. My friend Henry Nouwen says, every time you listen with great attentiveness to the voice that calls you the beloved, you will discover within yourself a desire to hear that voice longer and more deeply. It is like discovering a well in the desert. Once you have touched wet ground, you want to dig deeper. That's Joshua in the tent that day. He discovered something. And he wanted to hear that voice and know that presence longer and more deeply. 
The voice and the presence that calls him beloved. What if all we wanted was God's presence? What if the only thing that we seek is intimacy with the one who loves us? What if the only thing the body of Christ is known for in our day is Jesus? And a radical and ruthless reprioritizing of the one. The one who is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. The one in whom all things hold together. The one that everything was created through and for. The one who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be the one that is preeminent. The one who the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, making peace by the blood of the one who endured the cross. What if the only thing the body of Christ for is known in our day is a ruthless and radical reprioritizing of the presence of Jesus and intimacy with him? What if we prioritized his presence like we knew who he was? Like we knew that this Jesus really is the one as Colossians 1 describes. That our God really is the God who met with Moses face to face and in turn Moses' face shine like the sun. What if we prioritize his presence that like of Joshua and it was all that we wanted. That we were so caught up in it that even after everyone else left, we wanted just a bit more. We wanted to linger in his presence. How could we really do that together? How does that even happen? What does that even look like? Like, are you kidding me? In the chaos of everyday life? In all of our common and ordinary full, busy schedules and moments? What on earth? How could we really do this? You thought I was going to let it slide this week, didn't you? You ready for the punchline? You ready for it? As we as a community do this together. Prayer. Were you hoping for something more sexy? I can say it different if you want. Three weeks in a row. Prayer. (laughs) Prayer. It's the secret sauce of the saints. It's the weapon of the weak. Prayer is the posture of the disciple, the common area follower of Jesus. Prayer is besides the gospel, the most powerful thing the church has to offer. That's what Moses did. Talking to God like he was a friend. That's what Joshua is doing by lingering in the tent and never leaving the presence. Unceasing prayer. That is how we will live into a ruthless and radical reprioritizing of the presence of Jesus and intimacy with him. Actually believing that when we put his presence and prayer back into the center of our lives, that all of a sudden this community can flourish with kingdom life. And as it does, it will spill over. To the anybody and everybody. Because prayer, that is the place where the presence is powerful. That is the place where intimacy is found. Practically, what if you and I got on our knees every morning and spoke to the God of heaven? What if we got on our knees every morning in holy adoration, surrender, and delight? What if we got on our knees every morning and prayed, prioritized God's presence over anything else? Think of the impact it would have. Not on your external situation. No. But on your heart. It would change everything. If we all together as a community were a people devoted to his presence by way of prayer. What if it was the very first thing we did when we woke with new life. Fresh beginning and a breath given to us by grace was to surrender it back 
to the giver of it was to get on our knees and say, here I am, fully yours, and all I want in this day is your presence. So you have your way. Because Jesus, I'll miss out on anything and everything for just a bit more. For just a bit more of your voice, your presence, your intimacy that calls me beloved. Here I am, fully yours. And all I want in this day is your presence. So you have your way. I'll do whatever you ask of me as long as your presence is with me. And then, got up and fiercely went out into the day as someone who just spoke to the creator of the cosmos. And then got up and fiercely went out into the day as someone who knows that they are the beloved. Because the church, oh, it's the hope of the world. But not if this is some checkbox religious game. We must believe that we are loved. If we're going to give it away. Could you imagine a ruthless and radical reprioritizing of the presence of Jesus and intimacy with him? We might start to look like love. We might embody grace. We might start to live by the Spirit. We might have forgiveness on our lips and mercy in our hearts. It might just change this community. Man, it might just change this nation. But first, it's got to change your heart. It's got to change you. It's got to change your heart. And the only place that human hearts are transformed the only place that a human heart has ever been transformed is in the presence of Jesus as we experience intimacy with him. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we thank you that you delight to have us in your presence. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have done and are doing anything and everything that we might know that we are the beloved because of who you are. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are at work right here and right now. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come. We ask that you would break down and loosen any bondage of shame or guilt or ridicule. We ask that Holy Spirit, right here and right now, you would pierce through any lie that we are not welcomed in your presence. That you do not desire intimacy with us. And we ask Lord Jesus... That as we come into your presence, that we would hear the voice, we're the beloved. And that we would never want to leave. And that we would be found lingering in your presence. No matter the price, no matter the cost. So would you come Holy Spirit? Would you form us into people of love? Who radically and ruthlessly prioritize your presence over anything and everything. We declare that you're worthy of it all. And it's in your mighty name, Jesus, all the beloved said. Amen.